Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic, a podcast about gender, identity, orientation, and all the life in between. Sure. Okay. <laughs> You're sick today, and I, so I'll, I'll cut you some slack on it. Yeah. It's not man flu yet, but no. it could get serious. No. Although today I think we're going to take a page out of that other trans podcast book and, hey, George, I have a question. Yeah, I, I listened to them yesterday, so I know what you're talking about. Gender rebels are awesome. We yes. like them. Our first question has come to us in a number of different forms and from a number of different people, and it runs along the lines of, hey, did I see you guys at Gender Odyssey slash First Event slash Philly Trans Health slash Comic-Con slash Wizard World slash My Dentist? I'm looking perplexed. Yes, that actually did come in. You, you saw us nowhere. We are here. <laughs> Well, That's about it, really. Yeah, and we do go to things, but... Nothing that fun. Well, well the dentist, uh, maybe. But <laughs> I wouldn't call that fun. The other things sound fun. I wish you saw us at those things. You know, and we do go to things. Like, we went to Gallifrey One. And it's entirely possible that last year we might have been noticed at Gallifrey One. But this is that post that we have pinned to the top of all of our social media that says... We are stealth. This program is not part of our personal lives. This is something that could potentially, you know, I mean, we've seen how much animosity there is out there for people who are not straight, white, cisgender Christians in this last election cycle. I've seen how much animosity there could be for a woman gamer. And I'm not even a gamer paying attention to these things. But yeah, there's just animosity people, sometimes. People can be evil and we have kids. And if it was just us, then we could handle people being evil. But with the kids, we keep ourselves anonymous so that nobody tries to shove their evil for us onto our kids by finding us, doxing us, identifying us, and making evil at us. So no... Even if you did see us, you didn't see us. There you go. The second question that came in has come in also a couple times in the last six months, and it's come in a couple times more than that over the past three and a half years that we've been doing this now. Asks, my kid is trans, what do I do? So that I think it's a good question because I think when folks are looking for resources and they don't know where to find them, they look everywhere. And if they find us because we are parents and we are people of uh, the trans um, spectrum, yes, that we might be a good place to shoot a question at. And our recommendations are typically to find resources that are more geared towards it because there are some now, you know. I think you probably could even find some in PFLAG, although if I'm wrong, strike it down there. No, but, you're good. That's um, what I've told people is yeah. PFLAG and then also podcasts because that's what we do. I have... Which is why they sent us the question. Yeah, I have directed people to PFLAG. There used to be um, a group called Trans Youth Family Allies, but I last went to their website about a month ago and it seems to have been taken down. In some urban areas, typically, although some, you know, less urban areas like ours, there are resources from counselors, therapists, family support groups, stuff like that. Yep. Where you can get support for yourself and your child. And if you find any of those people in places, they can probably direct you further. That's what I would think. Yes. So I'm glad that you're looking for support and assistance for yourself and your possibly transgender child. 
Another good podcast, as I started to say earlier, for allies and parents would be um, there's Trans Parenting and there's How to Be a Girl. And those are both podcasts by parents of trans kids. There you go. We want to know about podcasts. Jess hunts these things down on a regular basis in between graduate maths. Graduate maths are almost done. I am so effing glad. Yeah. Yeah. You probably have that thing a lot of uh, graduate students have right after where you're like, what do I do? Do I have homework due? And it's kind of freaky for a while because <laughs> you have time without pressure and it's um, odd. And then they're paying you for the degree that you bought yourself. So Yeah, yeah. I... I'm never going to make up the money that I've spent on all my degrees. Although actually the degree program I did was online and it's fairly inexpensive. So actually for the master's degree, maybe for the master's degree. Yes, I will. It will pay itself off in about five years. Mm -hmm. The undergraduate degree I will be paying on for the rest of my life because I'm on a teacher's salary. Yes. Although there is a program, if it's still in existence after the Republican Congress gets done gutting everything that the Democrats have tried to accomplish to support our public servants, and you're actually eligible for this soon too, where if you work in government or public service, then you can pay on your loans for a certain amount of time. But if 10 years, 10 years, if you haven't paid them off within 10 years, then the government degree that you got to serve the government isn't giving you enough money from the government to pay back the government. And so they will just say you're done. I already have that paperwork filled out. That's funny to me. I filled it out when uh, when it came out as an option. Yes. And then I just saved it to submit when it was applicable, which I believe is January or February 2017. But I'd have to look at the paperwork now because it's been two years. You finished your last degree in... Or no, it's 10 years at your current position, or? You have to be working in a government service, a public service position, and they have those categories listed. And then you have to have been paying the student loan consistently for 10 years, which I have. Okay. And I still owe. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually took a forbearance on mine when I started grad school, which I kind of regret because then my tenure starts over. Right. Well, they didn't have those when I was in graduate school, and I went from undergrad to graduate, but... If you're a full-time student, they hold off on making you pay. Yes. And then I, I had to do some different programs of paying a little bit less at times when I was making less money. Yes. Um, because but, but government I employees don't get paid a lot. Well, yeah. I think that's a general statement that government... Employees don't get paid as much, and I think it's a give and take. Uh, some people, like yourself, choose that work that they choose because they like to do that. Well, yes, service. and I'm saying it's not you know it's not all about the money, and there are some trade offs that the government is understanding of the fact that you make less money, so we're going to really support your due process and give you a little bit more job security, so that you can keep serving in your public service yes. position. Exactly. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, I know teachers who get food stamps for their kids, though. Like, we don't get paid. <laughs> I know. I know teachers don't get paid. So anyway. Jess, here's a question that has been sent to you in various forms. Uh-huh. Jess, your voice was super cute when you demonstrated the skills you teach your clients. Can you talk more about that? People want to know. They do. They mm -hmm. do. And it's funny to me that, like, 
everyone who asked about my voice complimented it. And I thought that was kind of funny because I'm like, I don't actually like that voice on me. I don't identify with all of those sounds. So yes, it might be cute, but it's not me. I know. But yes, I can talk about the skills. Okay. You're, I can, you're making I can a face. Have, I'm thinking and it's hard. I'm sorry. You're feeling sick today, so it is so, hard to think. I can I can understand that you don't relate to that. I think folks were listening to your voice and saying, hey, I see how she can move her voice this way and that, and I want to be able to do that. I think my voice could sound like that, and if it did, I would find it to be super cute. And so, yeah, please go ahead and explain is really what they want. They don't yeah. care if you think it's cute or not, dear. <laughs> Fair. Okay. So, yes, I can show you how to talk like this. That's what people pay me for. Sometimes you talk to our children like that. I do sometimes <laughs> talk to our children like that. And sometimes I even use this voice in the classroom. Oh, I bet you do. And when I use it with the older kids, they look at me like you're looking at me right now. Like, what the hell is wrong with this person? And you sound like it, too. <laughs> uh, yeah. Well, it's your... Tone of voice, not just Yeah, the there's sound. a clear bit of sarcasm in there when I do it that way. But there are a number of skills that are easily learned, but not easily... Practiced? Practiced, not easily made to come naturally, which I guess is kind of how skills work. That's how learning works. That's what I tell my students in my classrooms all the time is that... Learning is hard. If it was easy, then it wouldn't be learning because you'd already know it. Right. So when clients come to me, the first thing I do is I get a feel for their voice. We do some vocal play time and figure out, you know, where their voice sits pitch wise, how their breath control is, how they've taught themselves to phrase their sentences and how they've taught themselves to adapt their voice to the presentation that our culture expected of them. And then from there, we take what is usually, I think all but two of my clients have been trans women. We take what is in their understanding a too masculine voice and we swing it as far as possible to the feminine, almost like a pendulum. If we've got the masculine on one side or what our culture perceives as masculine on one side and what our culture perceives as feminine on the other side then we swing the voice as far as possible to the feminine to really not just learn, but to cognitively and habitually integrate some very specific skills that feminize a typically masculine voice. And some of those skills are breath control, being able to phrase your sentences in one continuous, long, stretched out breath. Whereas... When I edit our podcast, your speech patterns are much more broken up like this. There will be a chunk of sound and then another chunk of sound and then another chunk of sound. A more feminine pattern flows the breath through the entire sentence and continues the sound even when there isn't really something being said. Yes, <laughs> which is often when I'm listening and going, are they going to say something? <laughs> it's true. Yeah. It's true. And so breath control is one skill. The second skill that we learn is pitch variation. Not necessarily raising your voice to a higher speaking pitch, 
although sometimes that can help in the process of learning to speak in a more feminine tone. We don't want you ending up sounding like a five-year-old girl. We want you to sound like a grown woman. And so what we're looking for is not a higher pitch, but a more varied pitch to be able to emphasize with a higher sounding word, but not use the entire sentence as a higher sounding tone. We don't want you to be a cartoon, is what it sounds like to me. No Minnie Mouse, no SpongeBob. Right. No thank you. So being able to emphasize a typically masculine presenting voice will emphasize with volume. The stronger words are louder. Naturally, men will speak more loudly to emphasize important words. But a more feminine trait is to speak in a higher pitch for the important words. And in general, the flow of the pitch throughout the sentence follows a pattern that's been called walk, jump, step, fall, where you start at a middly high pitch, and then when you reach the important or emphasized word, you pop the pitch up and then let it drop off for the rest of the sentence, which is how we end up with the vocal fry that a lot of people were decrying on the internet for some months last year or a year or two for a while where I'm shaking it's my kind head. of like this at the end of a sentence vocal fry because it sounds like a frying pan oh okay and that's why a lot of even cis women will end up in that very low fry tone at the end of a sentence because it falls off so low which again is something that some people like some people hate some people were getting really obnoxious over it, mostly because they wanted to tell women how to present themselves, as far as I could tell. Oh, so unusual. Shocking. I know, right? Yes. So being able to vary the pitch in the middle of a sentence and over the course of the phrasing through that sustained breath is the second skill that we learn. And the third skill is not changing the pitch to a higher tone, but changing the resonance and where the primary vibrations of the voice are felt. And this is often referred to colloquially as head voice and chest voice. In elementary terms with undeveloped singers, we use the terms heavy register and lighter register. But the overall idea is that sometimes you have more vibrational focus in, that's another vocalist's term, focus, where the Resonance is most felt where the vibrations converge. And in my speaking voice and in most masculine speaking voices and in a lot of professional presenters, that speaking voice resonates primarily behind the jaw and the vibrations spread down the neck into the chest cavity to resonate throughout the lungs and ribs, which is why it's often called chest voice. Mm-hmm. So then to be able to move that focus, to move that convergence of sound waves coming from your larynx by adjusting the musculature and how tense or how relaxed the musculature of your neck and face are, you can bring that resonance up into the head and focus more behind the nose and eyes. And if you really work at it, you can even move the focus of the resonance out in front of your face to have the notes converge in front of your nose. And if you put a piece of paper there, you would see it vibrate. And that 
is a little too far, but that movement of the resonance to a higher place in the face will generate a more feminine sounding tone, even with a lower pitch. And this is how you get a voice like Laverne Cox, where the speaking pitch is fairly low, but it's still a clearly feminine voice because the resonance is high up into the face, the breath is sustained throughout the phrasing, and the pitch variation over the course of the phrasing moves from a higher note to a lower note. And those three skills, if we can push them as far to the feminine as possible to practice them, to integrate them cognitively and habitually, to make them feel like second nature, then we can dial that back from the little five-year-old girl voice that overdoes all of those back into a more natural adult female voice. Mm-hmm. that will have a more feminine presentation and lead to less clocking, outing, spooking, however you term it, because of one's voice. Right. Now, these are skills that I use as an educator because I am trained in vocal education. I am considered a vocal coach or a voice teacher. There are a completely different set of skills that would be taught by a speech and language pathologist or a voice therapist. And these practitioners are approaching it from a more medical and therapeutic standpoint. And that approach may be better for some people. I work in a more cognitive and habit-forming manner, but there are other practices out there that will also achieve similarly feminizing results through other means. Usually, like I said, in a more medical or a more therapeutic approach. Well, it makes a lot of sense. And it seems that there's a lot of work to do, but it can be worth it. It can be if you really want to have the voice that the voice that you hear in your head when you speak to yourself, the voice that you want to recognize when you hear yourself on recordings. I've gotten so used to hearing myself on recordings as a performer for decades. I got so used to hearing my own voice that that's the voice I hear in my head is not the voice that you hear through the bones of your own face, but the voice that I hear when I'm thinking to myself, when I'm using what I call my thinking voice, what some educational theorists call audiation, when you talk to yourself in your brain. Yes. The voice that you hear often doesn't match the voice that comes out of your face. Right. And so if that is a goal to make the voice that comes out of your face match the one that's sitting behind your face, then those are some skills that are available. I think that that is often a goal. Um, Often the goal is just having other people recognize your voice as the gender that you are wanting them to recognize. And... This is not to express any disrespect for women who choose to retain their culturally perceived as masculine voice, because if that is not your goal, then different people like different things, and that's acceptable. Yes. But if that is your goal, then those are some steps that are available. Quite quite thorough, I think. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. Our next question is directed specifically at you. Okay. What packers or prosthetics do you prefer, and for what purpose? There are different packers for different reasons or purposes or preferences for different purposes. For your daily use, you usually just use a rolled up sock. Because it's easy to wash, I don't want to not have some type of packing material. I'm not comfortable with that. 
But part of that comfort is that the homemade STP I use is best served by having something to absorb moisture if it's necessary. Kind of like yes. a, a lot of the front of men's briefs are a little thicker yes. for that reason. Yes. Yeah. So the sock is helpful that way. Yes. So it's just really easy. I can move it out of the way to use the STP. And you're not worried about your dick falling on the floor if your packer falls out. It's just a sock falling on the floor. Absolutely true. It's lighter weight, so it doesn't tend to have as much gravity pull towards the floor while you're standing in a stall or at a urinal. Yes. But also, it's to move it out of the way, like I said, it's easy to move out of the way. And then if I was needing to sit down... I can still tuck it under the underwear between my legs. So it's just not going to fall on the floor so easy. Very good. Or in the toilet or mm -hmm. et cetera. So it, it works well for my homemade STP functioning. Yes. I do have some other packers that I've tried along the way mm -hmm. and sometimes still use. I have one that I can use for swimming. Is that the Mr. Limpy or the small... The small, similar... Gelatinous to, thing. <laughs> yeah, similar to Mr. Limpy, or maybe it is a Mr. Limpy, it's a small yeah. one. That's good for fitting in the swimming jock strap or a jock strap that can be used for swimming. Yes. And so it's not going to get away on you, but you still have what wouldn't be an odd missing bulge. Yes. So that one. And then I have a STP, it's actually a three-in-one... Is that the peacock? The peacock, yes. Mm -hmm. I have that. And that is a very good packer because it's more pliable than the Mr. Limpy style one. It's a little bit bigger. The Which one? The peacock. The peacock is? Yeah. It fits better if you're going to do like some yoga or some kind of thing like that. It fits. They have their own jock strap that you can get for it or you can use a cheap jock strap that you can put it in. And it works well for not getting in the way of sport activities. Yes, whereas a smaller, more compact, and more densely materialed thing. Like Mr. Limpy. Like the Mr. Limpy, or like a rolled up sock is more tightly packed together because you got it all rolled up. Doesn't have the mobility that the peacock does, even though it is larger. It's yeah. also squishier and goes more flexibly where your body goes. Yes. It it looks a little more natural if you're doing those kind of sport things. The problem with the sock is it moves around too much if you're doing a sport activity. Yes. And it, depending on what you're wearing, might look wrong to have mm -hmm. a sock. Or you might be less comfortable with a very big bulge if you're not usually walking around with that. But Right. I understand there's another similar STP packer that's made by a trans guy that I've considered trying, although STPs that are supposed to look more realistic so that you don't feel uncomfortable at a urinal or something don't tend to work well for me as much as the homemade STP works quite well. Uh, I used to say I never peed on myself. I have a couple times now. Um... Just out of, let me try a different configuration of this homemade STP. Or if you get it caught on something, instead of getting it sealed against you, then you're going to have wet whatever it's caught on. Mm -hmm. uh, or not clearing your trousers, which can happen more with jeans because they're just stiff. And Right. But otherwise, um, I don't seem to work as well with those STPs, but the, the peacock has... I don't use it as much as I did because I'm not going to yoga as much as yeah. before. 
However, I might consider getting, you know, when I need something like that again, I might consider this other one instead. That makes sense. Yeah. Now, you're talking about your homemade STP. I can put a video for how to make that one in the show notes. The video is like five or six years old. Have you? Do you know if it's even still up there? It probably is because I can't imagine that it would have gotten taken down for any reason. I doubt it has. But it's made out of, your homemade STP is made out of the corner of a half gallon milk jug. Well, in the video, that's what he's doing. Typically, he says milk or orange juice but or something like that. But mine is usually like... Carrot, carrot juice, juice or apple cider. <laughs> and those are, you know, strong enough, but pliable enough. Whereas a gallon water container tends to be too pliable and not sturdy enough when you need to get a seal to use it. Yes. The one gallon ones are too, the curvature is too wide and the material is too flexible. So the half gallon mm-hmm. in a typical American milk jug is just, just right. And you just cut the corner off of the bottom and it creates like a trough that... I guess it's similar to a funnel, mm-hmm. you know, just... Except that it doesn't close off the top. It's just right. a trough. Yeah. Right, it is. It just redirects because the stream. my urethra is still facing the wrong way. I'm sorry. And so that helps me get it going the direction I want it to when I need to go in a place yes. and pee. Or I'm hiking or whatever. I used to be able to stand and pee and just move my junk because my junk is fairly um, pliable. Mm-hmm. I used to be able to just pull and get my urethra to point the right way, but I've had some lower growth that gets in the way now. Like I try and pull it there and I end up peeing on my clit and it's... Not what you No, no. I'm sorry. Yeah. (laughs) I tried making an STP for you just because I had one and... Yes. And and you didn't really like it, so... I didn't. I don't like them. Guys have uh, a lot of different experiences with these various STPs. Yes, and even a lot of cis guys will prefer the stall for urinating for a variety of other reasons. Like, for example, if someone has a over or underweight body and doesn't want everyone thinking about how they're moving their body to get to the bathroom, or if someone has a piercing and needs to sit down because otherwise it's going to be a shower all over, or, you know, there are a lot of other reasons that guys sit to pee. Mm Mm-hmm that are completely unrelated to trans status. And so that's also always an option. True. I prefer to stand because otherwise more tissue could be required. And because of the way things have grown... You get tissue stuck in the wrong place. It's not a good idea to have tissue stuck all over your junk. No. So um, (laughs) I prefer to stand and... I always preferred to have the option because often there's only one urinal. But this homemade STP, you have to keep it in your pocket. It doesn't fit in your pants. It would poke you. Yeah, I think you probably could make an underwear pocket that you could put it in. I've thought about it over time, but it just never has been worth it. And for you, because the size and shape of this thing, it is about the length of your hand. You just put your hand in your pocket as you're going up to the urinal. You take it out. You're holding it in your hand. It doesn't look like a anatomical penis, but you're holding it in your hand and nobody's looking at you anyway. So you just unzip and put it where it goes. Yes. It's not hard. And I've had enough practice at it that it's not a problem. Yes. And practice is the important thing. And I've heard that from a lot of guys. Yeah. So there's the packing and peeing information. There we go. There's a bonus. Woohoo. <laughs> <laughs> 
So I think our last question has come from a number of publications and publicists for mostly for trans people who are creating things. And the question is something along the lines of, will you host my client as your guest on your podcast? Right. And the answer generally is no. If someone talks to us and has a worthwhile story and we have a relationship with them, again, this goes back to that anonymity stealth thing, then we're always happy to share stories on our podcast. But if we're being contacted by someone's publicist or someone's agent, then it's not usually going to have the option for anonymity. It's not going to have the option for stealth and for presenting things in our format because our format is not, hey, come talk about the book you wrote. Hey, come talk about your memoir. Hey, come talk about this gallery opening. Our format is tell us a story about how being trans affects the rest of your life. Right. And the anonymity part has to stick. So it has to be a match that way. Yeah. And a lot of, if a publicist is contacting someone that's for publicity. We, we are not are, they're, publicity. Those words go together. They are the same. Yeah, no. Root. And with our download numbers, we are not the publicity venue anyway. No, we're not. That's not us. <laughs> yeah, we don't even, mm, no, I'm not going to discuss numbers, but we're we're not it. No, we didn't design ourselves for that. No, we designed... Go ahead. There are beginning to be more trans podcasts, and that's a nice thing to see. And yes. those, some of those do have uh, numbers, and they may or may not be interested or willing to do that type of interview. Yes, and I have forwarded the information to a couple of others. Um, we had one guy who was a musician, and it looked like it was actually him emailing us and saying, hey, I've got an album coming out. Can we talk about it? And I'm thinking, if you have stories for us, we'll be happy to talk with you about your stories. Because I was familiar with the musician and Mm -hmm. their story. But that fell through. And for the most part, I have sent these inquiries either. I've sent them back a note saying, this is not our format, but why don't you try X, Y, and Z podcasts? Mm Mm-hmm. Or I have said, may I forward your information to these other podcasts? So So, there you have it. Yeah. Have you had any other questions that people asked of you with regards to being trans or being XYZ while trans? Do people ask me questions? I don't know. For a while, you were the token trans at work, and people would ask you all the trans questions. Right. They do sometimes ask me policy-like questions, or we were going to do this thing. Is that okay? Are we being asshat type questions? Um, which is nice. It's good that and people don't want to be asshats. There have sometimes been, hey, we have this situation involving a, you know, we're in public service, a, a person that's needing our services that is trans or a child that is facing gender issues at their school or something. I have sometimes gotten involved or pulled into those, usually momentarily, just enough to get some information from me. And if there's an email from somebody saying, hey, we're looking for resources for this person, I can answer those. But otherwise, the most questions I can think of is questions that number two child asks me about his homework, which are not (laughs) translated. No, they are not. All right. Yep. So is that it then? I think that's it.
We'd love to hear from you, so let us know what you think or what you want to hear about by emailing us at transpantastic at gmail.com or by commenting at our website, transpantastic.net. Don't forget to subscribe in Stitcher, iTunes, or your favorite podcatcher, and leave us reviews and star ratings. Disclaimer time. We are neither your doctor nor your mental health professional. We are here to discuss our own lives, so we take no responsibility for your decisions based on our discussions. If you are considering transition, please seek professional assistance. If you are considering parenting while transitioning, you definitely need professional assistance. All contents are distributed under a Creative Commons no derivative license and may be shared freely in their entirety. Any alteration or less than complete reproduction requires permissions of the hosts. Thanks for listening. I'm sorry you don't feel good today. Me too. Did you unplug whatever has to be unplugged over there? Yes, I did. Okay. Yeah, we can leave it plugged in now. This microphone doesn't get the feedback like the other one did from the power cord. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is Transpantastic. Hold on, this is... needs to be... There we go. A little closer to you. Okay. Or bring you a little closer to it. Maybe both. Mm-hmm. <coughs> the Kleenex taste. I'm sorry. Mm. Kleenex favor. Nasty. Yeah. At least it wasn't lotioned. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is... Sorry. Take your time. <clears throat> okay, try again. I'm sorry, you're sick? Eh. Hi, I'm Jess. And I'm George. And this is... Transpantastic. A podcast about something. <laughs> Gender? Oh yeah, that stuff. Start with a podcast when okay. you cut your breath. <clears throat> the first question I have is... Come from... Or the first question... That's a, that's it's already bad enough we're redoing this. <laughs> I know. I hit the wrong microphone the first time, third time in like six months that I've done that, and I feel bad. Now I'm looking to see if you hit the right microphone this time. <laughs> you Because I won't believe you. <laughs> no, you won't. <laughs> the stronger words are louder. We both look at the screen <laughs> to see if you blew out this. <laughs> I did. I have to do it again. Okay. The stronger words are louder. Yeah. I'll pick one you of them. You don't know how be to okay. be quieter, do you? I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. Know. It's true. <laughs> 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 <laughs>